When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Repeat is the nothing personal word of the day for Monday, February 12th, 2024, and I am reeling. It is 8 a.m. Thank you for joining us live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. We are here Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. Game ended. It was much later than I expected. Yesterday was a typical Super Bowl day for me. When I lived in Miami and the games were in Miami, I went to the Prince Reign Super Bowl. I was lucky enough. I think I may have spent that whole game in the parking lot, actually, or I maybe went in to watch Prince. When the Who played at a Miami Super Bowl, they used the Marlins locker room as their green room, so I got to meet them. Yes, that's a look at me, Louis Flex. So Super Bowls have been different when I was in baseball versus since I've been gone. Now I'm more of a fan, quote unquote, of football. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. It's been a long run of playoffs from the wild card ending in this. Super Bowls always mean to me that baseball is starting, but the day has a rhythm to it because on the East Coast, the game is at 640. And so it's right in the Sunday scary time is when it starts. Yet it's not an eight o'clock game or a nine o'clock game. So you feel like, you know, a three hour game, it's gonna be done at 930. Meanwhile, you're worried about food, you've got guests over, you're throwing a party, but yet you tell people to be quiet because you wanna watch the commercials, you wanna hear the announcers. Then you're watching the Celtics play and then you go right to pregame while you're prepping food, while you're cleaning. So all this stuff is going on, people sleeping over, so you want to strip the bed, start the laundry, lots happening. When the game starts, and for me, the game starts with the national anthem, or in this case now, America the Beautiful with Post Malone. The first thing that interests me is the national anthem length, because that's a prop that people bet. I'm fascinated by the betting that goes on, on things as funny as the coin toss and as fixable as the national anthem. The national anthem gets rehearsed. It is not a coincidence that Reba McIntyre's over-under on the national anthem was 90.5 seconds. It's rehearsed. They know what it is. So Reba McIntyre does the anthem, and then all of a sudden, and the home of the brave, under of the brave. What? Wait, was it over? Was it not over? She kept going. Over. BetMGM just refunded everybody because it was so cockamamie that it went over 90 and a half seconds because she sang a line twice. But does it end at when she closes her mouth? Is it possible that she had a little juice on the over so added up brave that didn't get rehearsed? 
boy, that really screws with your pilots. When we did flyovers in the World Series, there were meetings about the anthem, how long the anthem was exactly to the second, what time they have to take off from their base to be over the ballpark at the exact time. You don't do an extra and the brave. All of a sudden, the guys have landed already after the flyover. That got me, that got me ready to roll for the Super Bowl. And of course, you know that I had the Chiefs and I had the Chiefs and the under in a parlay, in a money line parlay, which was a big, big win. So I'm watching the game and I'm taking notes, copious notes. I have a piece of paper here. I'm writing down commercials as they go and ranking them. I'm writing down game takeaways. Not that I'm gonna talk to you, Go, go to another show if you want to hear someone break down. On third and four, it looks like the right guard was pulling and they could have done a run, but they did a play. Blah. All right, have fun with that. No. I was far more interested in the new overtime rules and far more interested that San Francisco had no idea what the hell they were doing. The Ringer came out with an article today that already is such an indictment on the coaching staff and on Shanahan that if it's true, it is fireable to me. When you've got players on the Niners saying, hey, I learned about the playoff overtime rules on the Jumbotron during the Super Bowl. The Chiefs came out and said, dude, that's a little uh, Hugo for you. Hint, spoiler alert, what we're gonna review here, dude. We practiced starting in training camp what the postseason overtime situation would be, what we do. We discuss, do we take the ball? Do we not take the ball? So here's the thing in the postseason. It's the Mahomes-Allen rule. There was a game several years ago, maybe last year, can't remember when it was, when the Buffalo Bills were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, and it was a back and forth game where everyone watching it said, he who has the ball last is going to win because both teams were scoring at will. Overtime, the Chiefs get the ball and Mahomes walks them off because during the regular season and postseason as of last year, if you score a touchdown on your first possession, game over. Field goal, the other team gets a chance to match or to win. A defensive score ends the game on the first possession. So everyone was up in arms that that game ended without Josh Allen having a chance that they changed the rules for the postseason. And what they said is, no, we are not going to allow a game where both sides don't touch the ball unless the team that receives turns the ball over that results in a defensive touchdown or there's a defensive safety. Other than that, everyone gets the ball. So I listened to the referee doing the coin flip. The San Francisco Niners win the coin flip. Tails never fails, it's tails. I lost a pick of the day on that because I thought it would be tails at the start of the game. I should have known it would be tails at the overtime because Sean McManus said it was gonna go to double overtime. That's what the script said. He was three seconds away from being right, might I add. So San Francisco calls tails and they say, we'll take the ball. Very normal in overtime. All of a sudden, they drive down, they have a seven minute drive, and I'm looking at the clock and I can't get one thing out of my head. Why is there a game clock in a postseason overtime game? I understand you need a play clock 
because that's how delay of games happen. You can't just sit at the line for 25 minutes. We got work tomorrow. But what's the purpose of the game clock? The way overtime works, the way the owners voted and the union accepted is that the first offensive team goes down. If they score a touchdown, then the next team gets the ball. They score a touchdown. They can either miss the extra point and lose by one. They can make the extra point and it's a tie. And then the team that started with the ball gets the ball again, sort of like college back and forth, back and forth, which meant the game could have gone over at that point. Remember it was 19 all going into overtime. In theory, it could have been 26-26, game still going on at a total of 52. People with the overs were like, we got this. People with the unders were like, oh my God, this is insane. Of course, if the first team scores a touchdown, they can also go for two. But if they don't make it, then if the next team gets a touchdown, an extra point wins it. But if they go for two and make it, then the next team has to score and go for two and make it. All sorts of things that we can think about. But clock management? There's no tie in a postseason game. It doesn't matter when the first quarter ends. Maybe they do it just so they can switch sides. How about just switching sides, give everyone a possession going the same direction, one possession, and then switch directions for the next possession and keep switching back and forth. You don't need the clock. So San Francisco takes half a quarter. They're at the four yard line. They run two plays, don't get in, and they decide to kick a field goal. And I'm thinking to myself, if you kick a field goal here, you are four downs away from winning. It was fourth and fourth and nine, excuse me. Think about this math in your head if you're Mike Shanahan. When you take the ball first in overtime, you have to operate a regular drive. When it's fourth down and it's fourth and a bit, you punt. When you've got to score as the second team with the ball, there is no punting. Assuming the first team scores something. So San Francisco scores a field goal. They know when Kansas City gets the ball, there is no punting. Every set of downs is four. And that changes the plays that you call. It changes the chances that you're gonna make. Now, did San Francisco have an opportunity to stop Kansas City on a fourth down during that final drive? Yes, they did. Impossible to stop Mahomes when it's on the option play. Beautifully uh, played and executed. The call, the execution was just perfect with Kelsey out in front of him. And then the next time, this free set of downs. So I was thinking throughout, not only do I not want a game clock, but I don't want the ball first. And the Chiefs came out and actually said that part of their strategy is that they were not going to take the ball first because they wanted to be the team that had four downs because stopping them on a drive when it's really fourth and 10, four downs to get 10 yards, it's super hard. Now, could Mahomes throw an interception? Yeah. Could there have been a fumble? Of course. But in the normal course of how the Chiefs have succeeded, what an advantage they got by getting the ball second. 
Mike Shanahan tried to cover up for the fact that his players weren't prepared by claiming that he, Kyle Shanahan, sorry, Mike Shanahan's his dad, sorry. They actually showed Mike Shanahan during the game, still with a great tan, total silver fox. They only showed him once. Luckily, we saw Taylor 75 times. Thank God. So Kyle Shanahan tried to make it better for his team, team who was really impugning the ability of their coaches in this article and with these quotes by saying, no, no, we had this nailed. The reason why we wanted the ball to start overtime is we wanted to have the ball in the third possession. Theory being, if we score a touchdown, they score a touchdown to tie, next score wins. You're not guaranteed two possessions. So if it gets to a third possession, by definition, third possession is a winning possession with any sort of points. Because if both teams don't score in their first possession, a field goal wins. If both teams score a field goal in their first possessions, a field goal wins. If both teams score a touchdown, no matter what happens, a tie is the only way you get a third possession. Guess what? The problem with that, that is it, it can't be that Kyle didn't talk it through with Mike and that they didn't figure out this. The third possession is not a guaranteed possession. It's a speculative possession. When you make a decision based on something that is not guaranteed to happen during the course of a game, you are requiring certain events to take place that are beyond your control. And that is my number one, number one. As a control freak, I wanna control as much as I can, if not everything. If I'm owning the Niners, or if I'm John Lynch, I'm just despondent beyond repair. And this is not taking credit away from Kansas City the dynasty that is Kansas City at all. What else did I notice? Did you see Greenlaw get hurt walking onto the field? He tore his Achilles. Did you ever relate to an athlete more? When you're my age and I am about 69 and a half years old in Canadian and uh, you worry walking downstairs, you hold the railing a little more, you don't run two stairs at a time up and down the way you used to. You realize when you're skiing, if you fall, there's a chance your hip's gonna explode and you'll be hospitalized for seven weeks. You're just a little more careful. One of the things that really hurts people and we had when we would do fantasy camps or ever have adults on the field playing on our field, they would sign a waiver of liability that would give you night sweats because we basically said, you're OAF, and you're gonna break something, and we don't wanna hear about it. You're choosing to be on the field, you're choosing to run to first base, you're gonna blow a hammy, you're gonna blow an Achilles, and we have nothing to do with it. If you don't wanna get hurt, don't play. Like when you start a running, like the pickup basketball, and all of a sudden you're in your 50s, and you expect that you're able to quickly get underway, and then you realize that basically you've run out of your shoes and you've left your Achilles rolling up and you've separated and torn your hamstring and you're wheezing. Other than that, you're exactly the way you were in your 20s. Believe me, all of you, some of you know. And if you don't know, you're gonna learn. That's one thing technology and drugs has not changed. So Greenlaw, who's a great defensive player, was going on the field after a change of possession, ready to play defense, 
and he went down like he'd been shot. And that's what Achilles are. And the reason why you knew it was bad was the same reason you knew that Miami Heat player separated his shoulder, I forgot his name, Richardson, in the game that I watched at two o'clock yesterday. When the opposing team's trainer comes on the court and there's no movement at all, and I don't mean the paralyzed type, I mean just the arm looks dead, it's a subluxation and you're done four to six weeks. When a guy, that's like when Aaron Rodgers, when you see that little carpet roll up on the, in the back of his calf, that's the Achilles literally rolling up like a shade. So when Greenlaw went down, I was thinking, God, they were trying to avoid any field issues. They grew the grass in California. They rolled it in. They were doing videos of how great it was after how bad the field was last year. As you may recall, how slippery it was. And I was concerned about the field this year because the weather in Vegas had been frightful. And there were lots of fumbles and miss uh, snaps, low snaps, high snaps. A lot of weird stuff going on with the ball, the field. I didn't see a ton of slipping. I didn't see a ton of um, divots, though there were some plays when like white stuff would come out of nowhere as though something had been crushed and I couldn't tell was that from the field or was that from equipment. But either way, the nightmare of a player getting hurt in a non-contact injury for a team, especially for the NFL, when they're worried about the field, when they're worried about injuries. And just to see that happen, that really took my breath away. And I felt terribly for him. I was very upset with part of the CBS broadcast. And yes, I do work for CBS Sports HQ, but hey, you guys know who I am when you hire me. I needed more on the Jason Kelsey, Andy Reid situation. I didn't just need a little mention by Jim Nance saying, hey, while you were gone, look at this. And then nary a word. Did he play the rest of the game? Yes. Did he sit for a series? Did Andy Reid go up to him during a timeout and talk? Was anything going on on that bench? Because as president of that team, I'm going down to the bench. Now it's Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I mean, they are the king and queen of the prom. Never seen more pregame. Can you imagine, side note, Coca, that Bill Cower, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. Bill Cower interviewed Andy Reid in the pregame. One of the questions he asked was, so what's it like being around Taylor Swift? Who gives a tinker's ass? I wanna hear about you, about strategy, about dynasty, about how you turn your season around, how you keep motivating guys, how you're doing from a health standpoint. I don't care what it's like having Taylor Swift around, but it was all Kelsey and Swift. It was insane. We got like two seconds on Kittle and two hours on Kelsey and Swift and her plane and where it is and then her seats walking in with Blake Lively. Anyway, so Travis Kelsey, after the Chiefs didn't score in the first quarter, they had three points at the half. They were down. 10-3 at the half, and I said to myself, this is in the bag because the Chiefs should be down by 20 and they're only down a possession. Not that I doubled down or called you all and said, hey, double down on these nothing personal picks of the day. These are going great. They come out of commercial. Kelsey, he had physical contact with his coach. I've seen players and managers go at it. 
I have never seen on the bench a player of mine make contact with a manager. And the reason, not that we hired octogenarians, which is true. We also had a bunch of managers who were fit and younger. I made it very clear through our GMs and through our owner that if you were physical with our manager, I don't care who you are. You can be Pudge, the best player. You can be the 26th man. You're done. You are done for that game. We did it to Hanley Ramirez and he didn't even make contact with Freddie. He just disobeyed him and he didn't hustle. How do you let a player get away with that? What do you think the teammates weren't paying attention to what happened? It was the biggest off the field story of the game and it got an entire total of four seconds of broadcast time. Now I grant you, did I take a peeper and miss it? Don't think so. Maybe you'll get at me at David P. Sampson on Twitter or at davidsampsonpodcast.com and say, David, I can't believe it. They did an entire follow-up. They did the halftime thing. Hey, what was that? The interview at the end of the half. Do you know what Kelsey said when interviewed at the end of the game, when asked about it? He said, oh, I don't think I can tell you what happened there. I'm going to leave that between us. Unless, of course, I was mic'd up. I love him. I just want to play. Um... Is there a follow-up question by chance? Or do we have to get right to Taylor? Here's an interesting follow-up question. Do you feel you were out of control when you almost made him fall by physically going after him, i.e. assaulting him? What was going through your mind? Here's another follow-up. Did Andy say anything to you after? Hey, Andy, wanna talk about this after the game? Hey, I love Travis. Travis loves me. It's kumbaya. Yeah, we won the game. If the Niners had won the game, you don't think the biggest story on the Chiefs' side is what happened with Kelsey? Forget the swift distraction stuff. I'm talking about what happened with Kelsey and Reed. How is it not a bigger story? Maybe it's just me and I'm sensitive to that stuff because I believe when you allow players to do that or anybody, even coach on coach, when you allow a public physical display in an already overly hormonal and physical game, you are allowing and preparing, if not inviting more injuries. And the whole point of the NFL is they're trying to have fewer injuries. That's the reason why taunting, which none of us like as a rule, but the reason taunting is rules, they don't want to start any fights. The NBA has total rules for no fights. NHL, no brawls. MLB doesn't do enough, but they try to. And the whole reason that you don't want these things happening is you want players to be hurt on the field, if at all. Travis Kelsey. My last takeaway and final takeaway Pay attention because this is recency bias. Coke and I had a debate last night late and then this morning early. What Tom Brady did is incredible. He has seven Super Bowls. He won three Super Bowls before he was 27. This was Mahomes' third before he's 28 or at 28. He won another four after age 37. He went seven and three in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is 28 years old. He's three for four. He's got three Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs. The Chiefs have been to the AFC Championship six straight years, four times winning it. The only Super Bowl he lost was to Tom Brady. It will be an upset 
if Patrick Mahomes doesn't go down as the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. He's not there yet. So the goat emojis, no. I need sustained brilliance over decades the way Tom Brady did. I want a Super Bowl when he's at the end, like in his late 30s. He needs to get to seven. Yes, I am a believer in jewelry. Jewelry matters. Just ask the almost champions. Hey, M&Ms are cool. No rings, not cool. So I'm not willing to give Mahomes the goat, but how many of you watching that game for even one second when they were down a field goal at the end of the game and needed a field goal to tie, down a field goal in overtime and needed a field goal to tie, did any of you think that he'd go four and out? Did any of you think he'd throw an interception or that any of the players would fumble? Anybody? Does it not dictate your strategy when you're fourth and fourth and nine and you're Shanahan that they're going to score either way? You might as well go for that touchdown. Maybe they just didn't know the rules, though. Wait to see when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, fine. We'll revisit it. I'm taking a cheapie. I don't acknowledge what people say after a game in the first 30 minutes because it's all emotion. You know my 30-minute rule. There are no decisions made 30 minutes after a game ends. Yes, we heard that Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid are running it back. I'm still making a wait to see that Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey will be back next year. And the reason I'm making it a wait to see is they're going to wake up and he's going to get distracted by going to Australia and doing whatever he's going to do with Taylor and that'll be what it'll be. She may say to him, I don't want to have to worry about you being paralyzed every single time I walk on the, f I, I want to live my life with you. Andy Reid may get a bad report from a doctor and say, hey, you got to take the stress out. Be more like Cower, who retired at 49. The problem is the Chiefs are repeat champions, which hadn't been done in 20 years. How many three-peats have there been in the history of the NFL? Coca, give me the number. Wait for it, zero. You can't get three without two. If the Chiefs had lost yesterday, who knows what becomes of Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, and Andy Reid. But the minute they won the game, they were all coming back. I don't know about Taylor, they could be broken up by then, but they're all coming back. Kelsey, Mahomes, A, the defense is young and outstanding, but B, they have a chance to make history. All right. I got one more takeaway here. I really like Alicia Keys, but I'm partial. I just am. It's my age. It's my demographic. I like The Who. I like Springsteen. I like Beyonce. I, Usher was great. I like the costume change. I like the roller skates. I like seeing Ludacris. I thought the stage was great. I'm in. Apple, as the, as the sponsor, taking over for Pepsi. Usher not getting paid, but his agent saying, oh, you're getting paid, okay. I love how long the half is. It gave me time. Do you know what I did during halftime? I had the game on in the background. I'm listening to Usher's concert, but I used that opportunity to do a bunch of dishes, set off the dishwasher, get a load of laundry in, cleaning up some stuff. 
so I would get a head start for post-game. All in all, the NFL with the combination of Post Malone, Reba McIntyre, and Usher, do you ever get the feeling that they're looking at demographics and they're saying, all right, here's our plan. We're gonna be the most attractive we can be to the most people. Wait till the numbers come out for this Super Bowl. Someone tweeted at me, Coca, I have a way to see even over 118.1 or 118.5. My guess is this is gonna be way over that, way over that. The other thing I really love about the Super Bowl are the commercials. And I wanted to give you a top five list, Levitard style. Although our soundboard does not have the sound effects that the Levitard does, because we just don't. Top five Super Bowl commercials. Number five, the Uber Eats commercial. People have been crapping on that commercial. Two things about it. Brilliant. David Beckham and his wife not remembering which spice she was, love it. Ross, not Rachel not remembering Ross from Friends, love it. Ross with a quip to end the commercial, love it. A guy in his skivvies, not necessary unless he was famous, and then that'd be cool. I mean, just why not? But a regular guy forgetting his pants? A guy learning how to sit? Eh. But the reason why this makes my top five is they edited out the peanut allergy one. They had filmed part of the commercial with the guy eating peanut butter, having an allergic reaction, saying, oh, I forgot that peanut butter has peanuts. And apparently the peanut allergic allergy community went BSC. And it forced Uber to edit their commercial. And to that I say, give me a break. And I am not saying that peanut allergies aren't serious. I'm the guy when they make the announcement on the plane, please don't eat peanuts. I don't bring out my peanuts and eat them, though I always have them. I'm the guy who will disclose to the flight attendant, hey, by the way, I got a few peanuts with me. Just FYI, I won't eat them. That said, that commercial was not meant to make fun of people with peanut allergies. It was meant to say that you forget the most important thing of your life when you're allergic to peanuts. You try not to forget that, you don't forget it. But Uber Eats has so much stuff that if you're gonna remember what Uber Eats has, you're gonna forget even the most important thing, more than putting pants on. Number four, Bruce Smith, Dan Marino. By the way, Dan Marino, bless his. Who had on their bingo card Dan Marino getting two commercials in the first quarter? He was in the Michelob Ultra commercial with Messi and Ted Lasso. That commercial was mediocre. And then he was in this Eminem Almost Champions commercial about guys who don't have rings. I kept waiting for Patrick to do it. Or Barkley. Or the Hawk. But alas, it was Terrell Owens and it was Bruce Smith and it was Dan Marino. And I love that. Number three. My friend Jennifer Lopez. The reason why I enjoyed that commercial so much, the Dunkin' Donuts with Ben Affleck, is the way that Jennifer Lopez was speaking to Ben Affleck on the commercial, the script and what she was saying is the exact tone that she used to speak to Mark Anthony when they were married and Mark Anthony and I would be acting like idiots. And she would just be so indignant and like, what is wrong with you people? That's really her. So she gets an A for making it real Ben Affleck gets an A for being willing to do a commercial like that. And Matt Damon is best supporting actor in a commercial, hands down, outstanding, number three. Number two, 
not getting love. But that Dove commercial about body positivity for women, of course, that strikes a nerve with body dysmorphia. But about the number of women who stop competing due to the, either the way they feel, the way they look, or the inability to find areas to compete, and how Dove is doing this initiative for girls and for women, I thought it was outstanding. And the number one commercial, oh, Coke, I forgot to rehearse this with you. The former New York giant, Osi Uminyora. He is the African player, used to play for the Giants. He did a commercial with a young boy from Ghana, and it was about NFL International, and it was about what the NFL is trying to do to get kids to participate in football around the world and the difference they're making around the world. And it was a pitch perfect ad. They had the perfect actors. They had the perfect player in it. They had the perfect music. Everything about that ad was an A plus. Not on the list. The FanDuel Gronk missed field goal. We're gonna have to see that again next year. Really, give me a break. Not on the list, all the Jesus stuff. How do you make a commercial for $7 million that makes the Jews, Jesus loving people angry and Jews and everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus angry? That's a trick. Don't care about Scientology. Are you curious? Nope, not so much. Don't love making fun that Arnold Schwarzenegger can't pronounce neighbor. He does pronounce it. Words are meant to communicate. If you know what he's saying, if you know what someone's saying, then they're saying it correctly. Bringing in Danny DeVito to say it, eh, I smiled. I shed a little tear with the grandfather getting to see his granddaughter skate on ice, Kia, electric car. I'm not buying an electric car because of it, so it didn't work, but I had a little tear. All in all, I was very, very pleased with the commercials. I thought they were outstanding. That's one of the best parts about the Super Bowl, isn't it? The problem is, do you notice, for me, when you're as crazy as I am, I don't get up. Unless, so I've, I've several TVs, they're all on in different rooms in case I have to use the restroom, which I didn't the entire, from six o'clock until post post game show, nary a bathroom break. So you have to watch your liquid intake, obviously. Go hard early is my view. Then you need to pay attention because I'm, keep, I'm taking notes of everything that's going on and you don't wanna miss either a play, a commercial, anything while trying to clean. Yes, it's true. My sink faces away from the TV. So what I do is instead of cranking my neck to look back while doing dishes during parts of halftime, I actually have a makeup mirror that I put in front of the sink so I can see the TV through the makeup mirror and hear it. Yes, I am a fun host of a Super Bowl party. Everybody shut it. All right, when we come back. Oh, we gotta do our another personal pick of the days. God, we, we're at 34 minutes already. Sorry, Coca. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. We went five and two with all the bets we had. Remember McCaffrey first Niners TD, we got plus 165 and we won that on that crazy play with Jenkins who threw for a touchdown and caught one. Would have been the MVP if Frisco had won, I suspect. Only he and Nick Foles have ever done it. Jennings, what did I call him? Two, 
McCaffrey, I said Jenkins, sorry, Jennings. McCaffrey, anytime TD, you remember you did two units on that. We won that one. Travis Kelsey, anytime TD. I thought the last TD of the game was going to be to Kelsey. I thought the final play, I thought it from the four-yard line, it's perfect for Kelsey. No, they covered him. We lost that. Tails never fails except with us. Lost it. How about Brock Purdy? Who did that bet? We did. Over 266 and a half combined yards. 266 and a half combined yards. Total yards, 267. He had 255 passing and 12 rushing. You want to know what his rushing over under was? And you make me wonder whether Sean McManus says there's a script and there is a script. Maybe there's not a script. Brock Purdy had 13 yards rushing. The over hit. Pay the over on Brock Purdy rushing yards. Wait a minute. He's kneeling down to end regulation to go to overtime? No way. No, no, no. His rushing yards went from 13 to 12. And it goes under. But we had the combined yards of 266 and a half. And he got 267. Then the big bet was the Chiefs money line in the under. Nailed it. We had the over under. We were under 47 and a half and the game ended at 47. The game went off at 47 in some books, went off at 46 and a half at some books, but Friday when we put the bet in, it was 47 and a half. It's amazing how close they got. Then of course we had the Chiefs plus two. That was a winner also. So we did well from a unit standpoint. We are 22 and 25 and football season is officially over. And when we come back, let me give you my pick of the day. We're going to try to win an NBA game. The Bucks are plus one versus the Nuggets in Milwaukee. Can the Nuggets please lose on the road to a Bucks team that has played like absolute horse manure since Doc took over? No wonder Doc said no one would want to coach that team. Who would want to coach that team? They stink. But we're taking the Bucks plus one. All right, we come back. Guess what happens? It's baseball season. And the first baseball story of the baseball season for me is going to make you laugh. Get ready, Mets fans. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matthew Coca. Thank you very much for being with us every day. I know we have not done a review. We are gonna hold off and not do a review today because I did finish Lost this weekend. From January 19th to February 11th, I watched all 121 episodes. Yes, it requires a lot of awake time, but I wanna give it its proper review and we have seven minutes left in the show and I gotta do this baseball story because it's baseball season and we're the best baseball podcast, so better do some baseball. All right, Mets fans, were you upset when Billy Epler got thrown out of baseball? Suspended, ruled ineligible? Were you happy? Did it matter? Did, you, did it not even register to you? Well, here's the background. Billy Epler was the GM. He took over after the Mets hired a GM and had to fire him for off the field problems. Hired a GM, had to fire him for off the field problems. Brought in Billy Epler. Billy Epler is working with Steve Cohn. Billy Epler wins 100 games, fail in the playoffs. Steve Cohn says, we need someone above Billy Epler. Interviews, least kept secret, brings in David Stearns, the former Brewers guy. David Stearns joins the Mets and says, we're very excited to have Billy Epler here. As a matter of fact, Billy Epler is sitting in the front row. I wanna thank him and his family. That was David Stearns' welcome press conference. A couple days later, Billy Epler says, you know what? I really think I gotta resign. I wanna really get away. I'll tell you why. Because I believe that for David Stearns to be the best man he can be, that I shouldn't be just around. He should have his own guys in there. Huh, never heard that one ever. So then we found out that there's some sort of weird investigation going on with Major League Baseball, that Billy Epler may have manipulated the injury list and put players on the injured list who weren't actually injured as a way to do roster management. I did an entire segment on that, explaining to you that everybody does this. I've manipulated an injury list more times than I manipulate my sack on an airplane. That's a terrible image, but you know when you're sitting for too long and it's sticky and hot? Every team, not one team, not five teams. This is like the cheating scandal, trying to steal signs. Oh yeah, it was just the Astros. Everybody. MLB investigates. They have this big department of investigation. They did this long, major investigation. And they ruled this weekend that Billy Epler is going to be ineligible through this entire season because what he did was so beyond the pale. But here's what we need you to know came out of the Department of Investigations in the commissioner's office. Nobody above him knew what was happening. Sound familiar? Jim Crane and Jeff Lunau had no idea what was happening. Jeff Lunau got punished, but claims he didn't know. Jim Crane didn't get punished and claims he did not know. And I told you that is how I started to say horse hockey. So I'm gonna just give you a quick story about how it goes. Every day I get an injury report emailed to me before email, it was printed out and given to me. Every day as president of the team, I was in the training room at the end of every game, home and away. 
If I'm not at a game, the GM's at every game or the AGM. And the first thing we talk about after the game is the injury report, the injury report, who's on it? What's their status? Do they need a DL? Who went to the training room? Is it DL, not DL? Now it's called the IL. We go player by player. Hey, this guy's been ineffective. We're gonna say he's got a bad back. We want him to get some starts down in the minor leagues. To put a player on the injured list, the player and the union are aware of it and have to agree to it. Players know when they're not hurt and they know, hey, it's better than being released. You go on the injured list, you're getting major league service time and major league pay. But what MLB investigated and discovered is that Billy Epler had this seedy thing going where he was making up injuries and then falsifying reports and nobody knew. Now, listen, you say that about AJ Preller and I say, hell yeah, he had his own set of medical records that he didn't want to share with other teams. But I bet internally he knew what the real medical records were. There is no owner. Steve Cohn, you're not aware of your assets and whether or not they can perform for you. Hey, is the market open today? I can't remember. That's nah, okay. I'll figure it out later. That's the concept. That's the same thing as not knowing when you're in the hedge fund business, not knowing whether or not a player is hurt. And if a player is hurt on the injured list, you say to your GM, by the way, how long is he out? Oh, let me check my document, which says how long a player's out. By the way, you speak to your team doctor. You're doing all these things. Billy Epler had to take it on the chin because Billy Epler wants to work in baseball again. So baseball went to Billy Epler and said, listen, we need to crack down on this injury list manipulation stuff because we don't like these players getting major league service and getting major league pay. We're gonna have to make an example of you. So here's what you're gonna have to do. If you want to have any sort of announcing job this year, make any sort of money and keep your head in the game, and get a job as a assistant GM or maybe even a GM one day, here is what your statement's gonna be. I cooperated fully and transparently with MLB's investigation and I accept their decision. That is the definition of a forced confession. MLB from their side did an entire press release. And they wanted to let you know at the end that they consider the matter closed and will have no further comment. And what they were saying is that he directed the following pattern of conduct in violation of MLB's rules. Improper use of injured list placement, including the deliberate fabrication of injuries and the associated submission of documentation for the purposes of securing multiple improper injured list placements during the 22 and 23 season. The Department of Investigations is a great unit within MLB. Did they investigate the other 29 teams? Because every single one of them every single year does that exact thing that you listed. And if you're just trying to make an example of someone, why does he have to be ineligible for the whole season? Just suspend him 30 days or 60 days. Why? Epler was a willing patsy. He was willing to take the year. So now GMs are going to say, that's a big deterrent. I could be suspended for a year. 
guess what's going to happen in 2024? There will be phantom injury placements because roster management trumps paying attention to these rules and this warning. Roster management is everything, but mostly it's business. Billy Epler, there was no reason in the world for you to take this by yourself at all. See in a year. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.